This is the Melnick in the Afternoon podcast, exclusively from TSN 690. I, I love the colorful clothes she wears, and she's already working on my brain.
What a great night that was. 20 years ago tonight, Royal Festival Hall in London, England. Brian Wilson, full orchestra, backup singers, everybody, about 100 people on stage. And among those cheering the loudest, Sir Paul McCartney. He finally brought Smile back to life 20 years ago tonight. Disturbing uh, to read over the weekend that uh, Brian Wilson is suffering from dementia. He's 81 years of age. Uh, The person who had been taking care of him, his wife, uh, died last month. And a petition was filed last week in L.A. uh, saying Wilson is unable to adequately meet personal needs for physical health, food, clothing, or housing. Uh, Representatives say Melinda Ledbetter Wilson, his wife of three decades, took care of his daily needs until her death as I mentioned last month. Uh, he is still uh, creative. He's still creating projects. But as you can imagine at this stage of his life, and Smile is a is a whole uh, documentary in and of itself because that was the great lost album that uh, he didn't get to work on until Van Dyke Parks, who wrote some of the lyrics to it, helped him out, and they got it together about 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And I remember watching that and uh, just being incredibly thrilled to see that vision finally come to life it was uh, he put it a it was a teenage symphony to god by uh, brian wilson who's hanging in there uh but not in great shape one of the like if you're gonna if you're gonna list it's very difficult and you could change the order right you can change the order every day depending on on how you feel but uh whether you're a beach boys fan or not um the brilliance of uh, and the influence that brian wilson has is uh, right up there Right up there with the with the all time greats in rock and roll history. But he's had like he was not well for a while, right? Because I remember that line from that bare naked lady song, lying in bed just like Brian Wilson did. Yeah, so I'm assuming 70s. that he there was something going on there. Yeah, a lot of yes, a lot of issues upstairs. A lot of okay. issues upstairs. He, uh, he he got a lot of help. He was he stopped touring in the seventies. He just couldn't tour. Um, I saw him a few years ago. Whenever he played the last time at Place des Arts, it was kind of the. It sounded good, but he himself, watching Brian Wilson, he was kind of like catatonic. You know, he was barely there. Hmm. Um, even back then, twenty years ago, you could see the lyrics uh, on his uh, on his keyboards there to make sure he doesn't slip up in uh, some of the words. But uh, just an absolutely brilliant artist, influenced everybody. He's still with us, but again, suffering from dementia. And that Smile album, that was at the height of the uh, psychedelic 60s. A lot of brains right. got fried back then. Yes. Andy Bennett could not find a single Rolaids or Tums before the start of the show. I made a horrible mistake. Not, not a single one. Don't name where you ordered from. Okay. It was a popular Middle East place. Yes, but an unfamiliar... You know when you have like restaurants that you like, but it's specific to a location... Yes. And like you you can't trust the other locations sometimes. It's a chain. <laughs> <laughs> she got the bad link. <laughs> yes. She got the bad sure link did. today. Okay, I though. thought it was going to be a two man show. I did too for a, for a minute there. John Still, how you doing? <laughs> Almost found yourself over there. Thank God I'm not. I'm well. I have frequented this restaurant and uh I think that this uh this restaurant is getting a little bit of a bad rap here as someone who has uh, their sauce running through their veins at, at least once a, once a month. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would say that I agree with you. Certain locations are better than others. Listen, it was a Blainville stop emergency, uh, lunch Blainville. emergency. So, yeah, Blainville is not the, not the place, apparently, to be. 
stopping at this particular chain. What if they're listening in the kitchen right now? <laughs> I, You've made them feel very bad. They were very annoyed that I was in there like two minutes after they opened today. So they can just deal with it. What time did they open? 11? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, that's okay. So this is a you thing. I would say that it is not a good time to be having that kind of food at 11 o'clock in the morning. I didn't eat it at 11. I oh, picked okay. it up at 11. Okay, okay, I picked okay. it up on my way in here today. All right. Never mind. What were you going to do? Zap it here? No, I just ate it just like that. Some of it I maybe ate in the car. Michael Douglas, that scene from the movie. <laughs> what was the name of that movie, Michael Douglas, where he asked for breakfast at one of those chains? Okay. And Mr. Happy Guy says, we don't serve breakfast anymore because we stopped serving at 11.30 and it was like 11.34. Oh, boy. And uh, he leans in and he says, have you never heard the customer is always right with a smile on his face? And the guy behind the counter says, well, that's just not our policy. And then he pulls out his gun. Oh, is this falling down? Falling down. Just, yes. Yeah. I love that movie. I'm starting to feel very yeah. like a kindred spirit over here with the main character. You ever see Falling Down, John Still? <laughs> Never seen it, no. Oh, you got to watch that. Oh, yeah? Seriously. It's right up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> He's just having a bad day. It's like you hit that breaking point and uh, yikes. It's like bowling pins, one by one. <laughs> Ten moments. The day gets worse with each pin falling down. <laughs> it was fantastic. I think I read he said that was like one of his favorite roles he's ever had it must have been cathartic like just to play that out yeah okay so yeah so if it's open at 11 and you're there like waiting for them well to i was like 11 10 i was there like they just seemed they just seemed perturbed that they weren't able to like ease into their shift which i get no I get it, no 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 Andy, no you should ease into <laughs> your shift if you open at 11 you should be easing into your shift at 10 45 10 50 you Fair open enough. your door the lock is open is unlocked at 11 o'clock you might have a customer at 1101 right what's the point of opening at 11 yes that's right mitch now there is i will say that i don't know what the protocol is but you know i was uh, scrambling for uh, dinner last night because uh the soup that i took out of the freezer uh did not uh, defrost in time so i was scrambling and uh, there was a place that was closing in 15 minutes and i did not order from that place because because that is, a, in my right. opinion, that is a no-no. You know what uh, I mean? If I'm having them deliver it to my place, 15 minutes left, you're taking some chances with what potentially some upset employees who have already kind of mentally checked out, done. See, my limited experience in restaurant is that like you, everything goes until the end, but that's not when your shift, your shift usually ends like an hour after the closing of the restaurant or maybe two hours if you're doing... You know, if you're in the back room doing dishes or something. I've ordered, I've ordered with, hey, I've ordered with like two, you got two minutes left, two minutes till closing. I've got it in there. I never thought that, oh, geez, here comes another order. It's like, ka-ching. Yeah, right? Yeah. But I haven't worked in a restaurant. Well, this is what I mean. (laughs) This is what I'm saying is that I have worked in restaurants and I have seen the folks in the back who are, you know, ready to get going. And then that last chicken finger comes in, and I haven't seen anyone compromise any one of these meals, but it's certainly been discussed in one way or another. 
I would just like to know what the like. Just give give me a rules. Yeah, most like of the ten places- minutes after someone opens is, or five minutes after, is that okay for you to go in and and order? Ten minutes before it closes, is that a okay thing to do? Which is order food at the last possible moment. I, I if I do order at night later than normal later than outside of traditional dinner i i do order from places that are open quite late Hmm. right and back in the day not that long ago they used to have their own delivery cars nobody has them anymore who who has their own delivery cars uh you can get like saint hubert or something like that or yeah the disgusting disgusting i hope they don't Advertising the station Domino's. <laughs> you see those Domino's cars all over the place? The menace of the or- the tiny orange cars has been cleansed of St. Henry. So that's, uh, I mean, those guys were, they were a danger on the roads. The orange? Yeah, the little oh, orange, the little orange oh, for uh, yeah, the new chicken system, place. New yes, system. New system. New system closed, right. Yes. So those, there's no more. Uh, new know, system. It became old. It was they didn't have a new enough system to meet the demands <laughs> post covid you know i bet there's similar to the code there is a for sure a restaurant dining like there's a code there's an uh, there are unwritten rules for eating in restaurants ordering in restaurants this is something we should delve into okay well, I, uh, tell us like, kind of rules? that's kind of what we're doing here yeah, tell exa- us well, the people exactly the people like, who work in these establishments we don't know i mean i've worked there but again i haven't been in the in the bleep like I've seen in the juice. Some, oh boy. Dans le jus. I've been in the jus like as someone who's like serving people, but my goodness, those people were on the line or something like that. Like you are in some kind of disaster. Yeah, like I'd like to know. Like moment. what are the you know, if you've worked in a restaurant for a long time, I wanna know the the, the do's and don'ts. Like I don't want to be that customer who's like, Oh my god, why are you here now? Except you very interesting. <laughs> 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 Except that you were this morning, Andy Bennett. Well, what a great recovery without the need for Rolaids and Tums. Don't we have a dispenser downstairs that spits it out if you need it? I'm telling you, it's like a cast iron stomach, Mitch. This is what happens when you don't care about Best Buy dates. It's just, you can just handle this type of stuff. It's This is what I've, I've created. Did you notice how I grimaced <laughs> when John said he, was, he went into the freezer for soup? There's nothing yeah. in my freezer that I eat. Nothing. Nothing. What is in your freezer then? Yeah. Well, it's different now <laughs> since I have a ominous. ominous. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> ice cubes. Okay. A little bit of ice cream occasionally, especially in the summer, but not outside of summer. I, I just, I, I, nope. There's, there's nothing there. Well, I don't freeze food. Not a chicken But like there's, nugget, you don't, yeah, you don't like make food pizza. and then serve no. it I mean, and then freeze it? No. That's what I love about making soups is that like I make half for now and- have for future John between expiry dates and frozen food. I'm just I'm in the here and now. That's pretty much how I live my life. <laughs> when it comes to eating, this is how in you the here in the now. Mitch Melnick is present. That's it. Always present. Another day, another day before the Canadians play the uh, Sabers uh, tomorrow. You can always, I, I if, if we can go back and figure out some of the uh, Martyisms that he comes up with and some of the philosophical rantings, right? They always seem to happen between games when the when the Canadians have a couple of days. Um, like, I like this one. I love this one. No, you definitely need that, that, that compete and, you know, that FU attitude that you're saying. Like, it's part of it. You know, it's, 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 
it's it's a battle it's it's a it's an internal war with trying to you know get ice time it's it's an external war against the other team you got to have you have to fight for what's yours you know or what you think is yours and you know you you, you don't win many battles without the right attitude the fu attitude, but it sounds like he was picking up on somebody's question. Yeah, it was Stu. Ca- I was there. Oh, uh, oh was, you were there. Decided to go today. What By the we- way, I hope that Herb is listening right now. Herb Zerkowski was in uh, was in mid season Alouettes form today because he hadn't seen me in a long time. So uh, he gave it to me pretty good. It was, it was nice hanging out with uh, with uh, Victor as well uh, out there in uh, Brossard. So it was Stu Cowan talking about uh, our. Um, he was talking to uh, our colleague John Goins. Uh, who formerly coached Mike Matheson with the uh, Lac Saint Louis Lions, and it was John who said uh, that Matheson played with that fu attitude as soon as I mean when he was playing with them down in AAA, and so it was a yeah. question of wasn't it one of his coaches that said that about him? One of his it was John John Goins. Okay, <laughs> got to listen, Andy. <laughs> I'm not going to let that one go. He just said it. <laughs> What are you looking for? Are you looking for falling man? No, Is that what you're looking for? Not at all. No, there's just a situation here with a troublesome file. Oh boy. Trying to locate it. Yeah, that's the thing that uh, has impressed me the most, I think, because I was aware of Mike Matheson, the player, and you always felt that he was he, he was ready to get to the next level, but it was getting kind of late in his career, well into his 20s, and he looked like a player who should be better than what he was leveling off at. And then he comes home and, and look where he's gone. But watching him every night is that little bit of an FU. He's got that edge to him, uh, more so than, than Jeff Petrie had, I believe. Uh, no knock on Petrie. But it's just, uh, I like Matheson as a player better. Question of the day. Question of the day is uh, about the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Because, uh, look, uh, I know that the trade deadline is what? What are we at? Is it? Well, it's March 8th. Three weeks away. Don't forget there's an extra day in this month, this month. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's the leap year day. So happy birthday to all the 29ths out there. The late great Henri Richard was a leap year That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Um, But uh, question of the day is uh, about the Montreal Canadiens in the summer. Give us three moves you'd like to see Kent Hughes make this summer for the Montreal Canadiens. So this can be not just trades. This can be a signing. This could be an extension. This could be whatever. But give us your top three that you'd like to see Habs General Manager Kent Hughes make this offseason. You can answer on Twitter or on Facebook, or you can text us at 11690. All right, we're uh, we're revisiting the uh, restaurant question. As a cook, you did the right thing. Ordering right before the kitchen closed is a disaster for cooks and can delay them for over 30 minutes. Yeah, because they got to clean everything. 15 minutes before close is a good rule. Anything later, you do risk getting inferior food. Hmm. Like old food or reheated food. Or compromised. <laughs> compromised food. That is a very... I want to let your imagination run with it. I will just say compromised. Like That's if you order a say. late salad and they bust open the lettuce and there's a worm in the middle? Oh, my. Well, I don't know if they're going out to get a worm and then put the worm in your salad, but I'm just no, saying. No, it just could be, it could be, you know, it, it was over, it, they didn't get to it in time. Oh, I'm talking like forcibly compromised, like an yeah. eventual compromisation is what I would say. A chef for 24, uh, 27 years, Port Edward, BC, you are open at 10, you should be ready at 10. Same thing with closing okay. from Maluk. 
Uh, Tasso from Park X. I was a waiter for nine years. Takeout, you can come anytime, doesn't matter. But don't come and sit to eat 15 to 20 minutes before we close. That is a no-no. And Chris from Laval, like most Greeks in Montreal, I grew up in the restaurant business. My family has been involved since 63. No problem taking orders till the last second. However, we often stop delivery 30 minutes before closing. As far as opening, the door is open. I'm taking orders. Yeah. I would imagine okay. that's most responsible but, restaurant but owners. He's part of the family, you know what I mean? Like this is Well, that's why you should stay. Stay with family run. <laughs> okay, but I'm just say, he's part of the family. I'm saying that there might have been other people who are part of the restaurant who were not necessarily so so generous. Who were like Luke is doing this to us again. I swear to God I'm gonna kill this guy. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. If you should How many perfect songs did Brian Wilson create? Megan Acosta just announced her retirement. Three-time gold medalist for our national women's team. A real star. One of the great ones. Uh, I don't know. Are, do you know if she's still um, a police officer in BC? According to her bio, she is. Okay. So I'm going to check with her when she calls. Like, what? Right, like, are we calling her Sergeant Acosta? Is it <laughs> Lieutenant Acosta? Detective Acosta? I'm very curious. She'll be joining us about an hour from now. Michael Farber in the desert. Mike Johnson, Aaron Ward. We got tickets to give away to the uh, Rocket Syracuse Crunch game coming up at Plas Bell March the 6th. Stay with us. It's Melnick in the afternoon on TSN some uh, responses coming into John Still's question of the day, but I did want to take care of some business from yesterday's question of the day, which was, do you remember what it was? Uh-oh. Most awkward moment in sports? In sports, yeah. The most awkward moment in sports. Look at that. And somebody, look at those neurons. Look at those ear. neurons firing. <laughs> somebody responded this moment that we were trying to find. For some reason, Andy couldn't find it. it took me about six minutes. Stop. <laughs> 
Before he was the rules analyst at uh, ESPN, Dave Jackson was working in the booth in Quebec City with Elliot Price. I, I don't remember what the event was, but somebody remembered the anthem fail. I love that. Whoever that guy was on the PR. Ball management, Evan Monsieur, just powering right through. On you let's go. There's no way she's trying again. I wonder what happened to her. Poor, oh, poor girl. Poor. What an awful moment. Yeah, it's it's tough. Oh, boy. It's tough. Tough. Hey. She's not the only one to forget the words to an anthem. My God, like some of the guys who write their own songs forget the words to them. Like, what are we talking about? So, like, I feel bad after the fact, but, yeah, that's tough. Elliot Price, Dave Jackson, in the booth at Le Colisée, Le Colisée, and I I don't remember the year. But next time, Andy, national anthem fail. You told me anthem fail. That's what I was looking for. So if you couldn't find it under anthem fail... Well, there's other things happening over here, Melnick, okay? Like what? A oh, corrupted file? She just, went, she just went full Terry Haig on you. Hey, listen here, Melnick. <laughs> Melnick, hey! There's stuff going on. Like, wait, you don't want to dedicate like two going, hours of the show? Going hard, going hard on the last name. I gave you the wrong name of? Well, at least, she's, at least she's laughing and not going... <laughs> Oh my god! Are you starting this again? No, no you, just you ending it. The weirdness there, yesterday. Uh, huh? You launched the weirdness yesterday. Well, it was and the, the vibe. Could not well, it, was it was the question the of the day. It I mean, was the it whole vibe. Hurt. We're, we're coming back. Uh, we do have some serious uh, discussion coming up about the Canadians. This one is especially for Grant in Ottawa. Thanks, guys. I love Brian Wilson. Now I have the final airport scene from Love Actually on a loop in my mind's eye. So this will help you get rid of that. Vibration won't do you no good. It won't do you no good. You better start rolling when you hear me call. For me personally, I'm trying to get back to the, the basics of 
um, you know, being that north south player um, with, with my speed, um, you know, try to pulling pull a D out of the zone as quick as I can, give uh, space, um, you know, to my other line mates. Um, you know, just just being aware. Um, I think I'd uh, focus more um, in my D zone right now and um, being more aggressive and uh, you know aware of um, you know what's going on and, and try not to get uh, scored on. Um, you know, I think that's kind of been you know happening too much lately. What is my terminology for forwards playing coverage in the defensive end? Dummies. Drunk uncles. Okay, I was they close. I knew there was a D in there. I, I, I was, <laughs> it was Evans and Anderson. That's and right. I would I would blame Anderson far less than I do Evans standing right there. Like I know he's not a defenseman, but you've been long in a game long enough. Late in the third. You have to tie up the stick. Why? I can't even figure out why he took the pause. All right, Aaron Ward with us yesterday. Josh Anderson after practice uh, today. They've had a lot of issues uh, playing together in their own end. And, uh, you know, Anderson is one thing, but Jake Evans has, is known for being a def- defensively responsible forward. And uh, there have been too many of those instances. But I want to give everybody on the Canadians a pass, I think, at this point. Um, you got the three goalies, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's uh, that's been built in since day one. You got the three goalies, and it hasn't resolved itself. And for the most part, they've played well. For the most part, it's starting to slip, especially the two older dudes starting to slip a little bit. Um, you have Sean Monahan traded, popular veteran. Remember what Pierre said? Surprised they didn't get a body back, just because. The players, we know the big picture is they're not a playoff team. The players themselves don't want to have to face that. It's almost forced on them by the front office, so there's some reaction to that. The trade deadline is around the corner. A lot of guys on this team, it, they may say we could block it out, but they don't. They can't. Read Joel Edmondson in uh, The Athletic uh, today, and that's why it's important. You have, this, you have a lot of these conversations. They, this never happened before for the most part, but now you've got uh, – the Flyers. The Flyers are are in a playoff spot, right? But they're telling their UFAs, uh, Scott Walker, uh, Sean Walker, Sean Walker, and Scott, Scott Walker's the guy who uh, sucker punched Aaron Ward. Remember that one? Wasn't that Scott Walker? Was that his name? I thought Scott Walker played with Aaron when they were in Carolina. Am I getting it mixed up? Scott Walker punched Aaron Ward in the face. Maybe they were teammates at one time, but anyway, Sean Walker. Who's uh, who's UFA? They are having discussions in Philadelphia with all the players, whether they possibly trade it or not. Just get ready because we know we're in the playoffs. That's a tough conversation to have with proud professional competitive athletes. We're in the playoffs, but there's a good chance we're going to drop out because that's not what our future is about. Our future is about moving forward, being competitive every year. This is a bonus right now. What's happening? So the Flyers are having that conversation. The Canadians, Kent Hughes, former agent, has had that conversation with players before. He had it with Joel Edmondson. He's had it with anybody. I'm sure he's had it with some of the key players today. But that's still a difficult mindset to go into every game. It's there. You can't get rid of it until the trade deadline passes. You got players. What do they call them? Cookies? Drew Doughty, you got too many players? You know, they think it's cookie time. Is that what happened with Vancouver last night? That big lead over Minnesota? But so you have Canadians... They know. They've been told by the front office they're not going to the playoffs. We're supposed to play a certain way. But we all, you know, let's have some fun and score. 
and you got goaltenders now. This is a very difficult team to play behind right now with everything that's going on. Whatever the surface numbers are or even the deeper numbers are for the goaltenders, uh, I I think realistically you got to bump it up. And I think the only way you could figure that out for yourself without looking into numbers is is watching them. And you could see it, like what Aaron was talking about, drunk uncles, the lack of the consistent lack of coverage this deep in the season by players who should know better. You could chalk it up to inexperience when it's younger, inexperienced players, but these are players now who've been around the block a few times. They know what to do. Tie up a guy's stick in front of the net. If you can't push him out of the way, just tie up his stick. It's pretty simple. Their heads are elsewhere. It's very difficult, I think, to play goal for the Montreal Canadiens right now. And they're not the only team in this situation, but um, I, I think rather than pick apart every bad goal or every goal that you think in real time before you see a replay for the umpteenth time that goes in, you should... It, it 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 is so difficult to play goal in the National Hockey League. To be focused and intense on every shot, it's their job. I get it, but it's easier said than done. You have to have an absolutely clear mind to compete to do what your job is. That is to stop pucks, keep your team in the game while they try to win it for as long as possible. And that's, this is this is not a good defensive team. Mm. Well, it hasn't been a good defensive team all year. The deeper analytical numbers would suggest that in terms of slot shots, slot shots generated off the cycle, high danger scoring chances against. Like the, the, the Canadians haven't been a good defensive team, so that's not surprising. What I think is surprising is that the goaltending has been so good, and so that's why I think the goaltending is going to come down more so than anything, is that it's just gonna it's just gonna get worse between now and the end of the year, at least statistically for them um but i don't want to take any shots at uh at stefan robida here but i do think coaching does have something to do with it like you have an extremely extremely inexperienced blue line with guys playing in positions that you know i think you could say everyone on the canadians on their blue line is playing almost out of position you can make the argument that Arbor Jacki hasn't played up to the capability of being an everyday NHL defenseman this year. You could say that Mike Matheson on a, a better team shouldn't be a number one defenseman, but he's playing like one this year for the Canadians. Caden Gooley should be playing top two minutes. David Savard, should he be a top four defenseman? Like the whole blue line is out of whack in terms of what they should be slotted in. And then add in the fact that they are extremely, extremely, extremely green. So this is just going to be it. And I, I think the other thing I would add is that, and I don't know, <laughs> Marte said that we was talking about it earlier today at uh, practice, talking about uh, players uh, reading the things in the media or checking stuff out on social media. But, you know, the way that everyone, and rightfully so, is praising like the production of Suzuki, Slavkovsky, and Caulfield for obvious reasons, uh, other guys are going to want to get in on that. You know, the, if if the success of this uh, the success of individual players between now and the end of the year is based on points and assists and goals, and Josh Anderson's going to want to get in on that. Brendan Gallagher is going to want to get in on that. Jake Evans is going to want to get in on that. So I, I think you'll just continue to see more defensive lapses, and we'll see in the off season if the Canadians decide to bring in someone who's an assistant coach or you know a. I don't even know if you would call him an assistant coach, but like an associate head coach 
who's someone who knows a little bit more tactically about what to do in their own zone because it's been a couple years now that they've been like this. But if the problem is that they're checked out mentally, I mean, is that something that you can... I'm wondering if they were working on those types of pretty basic, like you said, Mitch, any NHL or knows to tie up the stick, but they were certainly talking about it a lot today after practice so I, I'm not sure if you saw much of the practice if they were working on that but I mean if it's a if it's a situation of guys being checked out or distraction or off-ice issues or what's going on between the years is that really something you can work out in practice no and I and I don't want to make it sound like it I think they've intentionally checked out I think it's just a byproduct of the situation they're in that they were right. giving it a go they were hanging in even with you know catastrophic sure. for this season injury to Kirby Dock and then new hook all of these obstacles that they had and they're you know hanging in and being competitive and in their own minds they look at the standings we know that's not happening but they don't they want to believe hey, we're only eight points out of a playoff spot we can go every team goes on a run we haven't gone on a run have they won three in a row <laughs> I don't think they have. I don't or think they've won go three. Down fighting, you know I don't think I mean? they've like, won three in a row this season. So in their minds, they're going, "This is the time we we're due for a streak." And if we win f- five of six or four in a row, we can inch closer. And all of a sudden, we're like five points out of a spot. Yeah, there might be four teams between us and a final playoff spot, but it, that's the ultra competitive nature of professional athletes. They want to believe they have a shot, yeah. even though. It's not reality. But you could be saying you could say the details in their game lend themselves more to them going on a four game losing streak, which I don't think they've also had this year. Like no, that's what's four been, or five. They're, I think they've lost four of their last five right now. Right, but four in a row. I don't think they've lost four in a row this year. I could be wrong. I know they certainly haven't lost five in a row, but you could make the argument that based on looking at all the trends and you know, it's been nice to see the power play tick up and the first line produce, but based on almost everything else on the team, it, it does trend more to them getting, you know, a, a, a lengthy losing streak going. But yeah, I've liked Uri Slavkovsky. Uri Slavkovsky's come out multiple times and said, we're only, what was it, eight points out of the playoffs? We're only this amount of, the, I think Jonathan Kovacevic said the same Kovacevic, thing. Cole yeah. Caulfield, they've all come out and said that. And so they're at least, you know, they're at least toting the, the, the party line here, but... Uh, I don't know. I think this is uh, you're you're just in for this. They're kind of they're. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think it's intentional, but I think that they are seemingly on autopilot between now and mid-April. I mean, there's always a physical element, you know, but you got to be calculated, and there's got to be some intelligence too, and be aware of what's around you, and what's dangerous, what's going to be dangerous. So, you know, physical is part of it, but. You can't just be reckless and physical. You got to be calculated in what you're doing. Tie up his freaking stick. Basically, what the message is there from Marty St. Louis. Uh, we will revisit John's question of the day, go a little deeper on uh, what you think they should be doing or planning for in the offseason. Uh, Megan Augusta will join us a little after 3.30. Michael Farber, Mike Johnson, Aaron Ward as well. And we have tickets to give away to Laval hosting Syracuse on March the 6th. He's the one whose neck is in the guillotine. He said, I'm a match. She can't.